This is a podcast from Minute Media. Warning, the following content may contain elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, kitties. This is yours, Julie John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to Slasher Radio. Welcome to Celestia Radio. My name is Bones. Cat Rob here as always. What's going on, guys? Hello. Hey there. Who? We have, uh, this was, we were talking last week. It was funny while I was editing it because I was like, oh, not going to be Patreon picked. Womp womp. Uh, so we had to push that back due to scheduling with our guest, Jeffrey Reddick. He's known for all kinds of stuff. Uh, mostly Final Destination 1 and 2, the creator, the writer of both those films, uh, most known for that. Uh, we got into a bunch of his different projects, and uh, that was an awesome conversation with him, guys. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. a very nice guy. Yeah. Very yeah. nice, knows a lot of horror stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the part where he mentioned, like somebody will mention, they had a Final Destination moment around him, and he <laughs> wants to say he was the creator, but then he doesn't. Uh, because when he said that, I was thinking, man, if I had made Final Destination or any franchise, I would have T-shirts made up and I would just wear them all the time. It just said, I created Final Destination. I honestly might get a T-shirt that says I created Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I would just, you know, I would have like hundreds of those shirts. That would be all that was in my closet. I would wear it everywhere. Like the ones with your face on it. Oh, boy. That would be, I. it would be hard with a T-shirt, though, to like play it like if okay so if i get a t-shirt that says i created final destination and people are like what's your t-shirt about i'd be like i met the guy that created final destination and like you know pay more attention to horror movie writers and it would be a conversation starter if i had actually created final destination and i wore a t-shirt that said that they'd be like did you create final destination and i'd be like yeah but you know i don't really like to talk about it (laughs) that's like my t-shirt yeah that is the flip side i guess maybe after a while you get kind of tired of talking about it and there's no way to be humble when you're wearing a t-shirt not that you would be i guess whoa whoa. you specifically i'm I'm very humble oh yeah you've got a t-shirt with your face on it (laughs) i don't own one (laughs) you just sell them (laughs) rob humble humphrey is what they call you that's right Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of you being humble uh yeah this is a perfect uh, segue uh we just got done recording our weekly patreon show it's an extra show every week you get for being a patron uh uh the fucking tier two and up on the slash radio patreon patreon.com forward slash slash radio tier starting as low as three dollars a month uh where rob <laughs> ranks the patrons mm, yeah the patron power rankings we do it quarterly yes uh rob humble humphrey sits on his throne and looks down on everybody and makes a list on the type of person and quality of person they are I mean, I do that 24-7. It's just I actually uh, acknowledge it and talk about it during this show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but uh, the conversation with Jeffrey is, is awesome. A very lengthy conversation. We usually, you know, and that's another thing. Uh, we we had, I, I forgot, um, we're going to get in drink roll call in a minute. I've gotten pretty heavy on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot which one of you said it already. But yeah, a big horror fan, Jeffrey is. And I really wanted to get more because he mentioned in the interview something about the old school, the originals, like like a universal monster type. Uh, he didn't exactly say that, but that's what I think he was alluding to. I really wanted to get into that and see, dig in and see what his favorites were. But mm-hmm. we were just running so long. But I think we'll have Jeffrey on again when he has some other stuff. And that, I really can't wait to to pick his brain about that. That would be a fun conversation to have with him because we didn't really get into too much of that kind of stuff. It would be fun. And also, he took a bit of a dig at Halloween 3 when we were talking to him. And I'd like to explore that a little bit more and find out, uh, find out what's wrong with him. Why doesn't he like Halloween 3? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Look forward to that very much. I don't know if he said he didn't like Halloween 3. No, he but... didn't really. He just, yeah, yeah no. He You'll just said it was not he... a good, <laughs> yeah. You'll hear it when he says it. Yeah. Um, also, uh, a, a long running, I don't want to say joke because I, I mean it very seriously, but uh, a long running narrative. <laughs> argument debate yeah. on the show uh was settled by uh by jeffrey so we're proud well, of that one i don't know if it was settled <laughs> it was settled <laughs> we'll call it settled <laughs> uh um, yeah but that that was awesome so we're not gonna have any new segment this week uh we're just gonna kick you over to jeffrey in a little bit uh because that was a that was like an hour conversation yeah i wasn't expecting to get that much time with him to be honest with you <laughs> That's the classic writer's life, though, is like once you're already not writing, you're you don't want to go back to it. Where <laughs> It's like, yeah, I, I interrupted my writing day. Also, I'm like mid writing event right now, and I'm hoping that this lasts all night so I can just go to bed after and I don't have to like <laughs> be productive. Cat <laughs> uh, wants to do a bonus shark episode or something. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't even ask him what his favorite shark movie is. Oh, God, we're slackers. Call him back. (laughs) (laughs) If he says he doesn't like shark movies, like I just might ask him to marry me or something. What if he says sharks of the corn? (laughs) I will unfollow him. I'm just kidding. I won't unfollow I think that was the thing that was like, because you go into it and, you know, uh, Jeffrey has a, a lot of stuff coming out and, uh, but, you know, as a writer, you know, not really so much an actor or director, you can have a lot of stuff going on. Writing is more of a process and a mindset and all that. So and, and also not only the writing process, the actual which Jeffrey got into getting your stuff out there and done is a whole process in itself that he detailed. Uh, so, you know, uh, you look at his 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 work and there's not a giant list where it's like, oh, we could talk about a million things. but the stuff that he did being a writer, I'm sure Kat could talk to that a little bit more. There's just so much more passion and you could talk about it forever, which he did on mm-hmm. certain things. And it was, you see it and they leave so much out and it's like hearing the, the real story with it. it I love stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And then he's got an interesting story of how he got started. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll hear it when he tells it. It's a, uh, uh, quite entertaining and yeah there's a lot of, lot of lot of stuff much funnier to hear from him than it was on the wikipedia also yes. yeah 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 oh also wikipedia was right wow yeah. wild yeah well, i'm glad because i use it as the official source for everything so. <laughs> is that where you learned how to use your excel stuff mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's where i learned the formatting of spreadsheet too hmm. 
Hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised he even knew how to use to use the word format with spreadsheet. To be honest, <laughs> it's because you don't understand. I, we've been over this. Cat and I have a system, and you're just you don't get it. That system, huh, Cat? You're not the only one that doesn't get it. <laughs> All right. Um, should we get into drink roll call and then Cat has uh, an update on Cat, Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy with Friday Thirteenth. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, t- it's just a teaser because we've got. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. Okay. Full right. list is coming soon. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, drink roll call, Mikey. What you got? Uh, okay. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. I am drinking High Noon. What is that? Uh, I didn't know what high noon was either. Uh, it's a drink in a can. Uh, I'm sticking with your can theme, Rob. It, it's vodka and soda with a pineapple flavor. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've seen, oh, yeah, I've seen these. Yeah. See, um, I listened to the Dave Portnoy show. You know, our, our Portnoy is named after him. And apparently his show is sponsored by High Noon. I said, holy shit. They made it sound so good. Yeah, the shit sucks. Oh, it's hard <laughs> seltzer. That's why. That, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, right, so I, it's like White Claw. Yeah, and I'm not thrilled with it. I mean, I feel a little buzzed. So, I mean, it, but it tastes like shit. So maybe going forward, I'll mix it. Because I have like a like five more of these fucking things now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so. the bad thing about the, the cans. Yeah. Is, yeah. You end up with a bunch of them. So if it sucks, then you're screwed. Yeah, this shit tastes like crap. Uh, maybe also thinking, bringing up Dave Portner, I, I, maybe... We and the listeners could start thinking of a new name for the port noise. Do you think that should be a thing? The Humphreys. No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's not horror themed. You know, it was maybe. pretty much made off his one bite pizza. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Kicking it out there. If the listeners come up with it, okay. But yeah, high noon. Womp womp. Mm-hmm. All right. The Humphreys. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> the Robs. All right. Cat, what are you drinking? I am drinking Zombie Killer. Oh, what is Zombie Killer? Uh, it is a hard cider with honey and cherry. Mm. Uh, no. I'm not going to lie. I got it mostly for the can because it says Zombie Killer. And I thought it would be a fun thing to drink on the podcast. But nice. it's actually really tasty. It's got a very low alcohol content, but it's tasty. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a hard seltzer. A hard cider. A hard cider. Yeah, that's what yeah. Yeah. That's what I did last week with that zombie, I, that IPA skull thing. Yeah. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. It's been working out. Yeah. I uh, I was a bartender here in town for a little while. And the uh, college football coach would come into the bar and he would order hard cider. And I used to get so pissed off. <laughs> like, no wonder our team sucks, dude. You're a football coach. Shouldn't you be drinking bourbon on the rocks or something? What are you doing drinking a hard cider? Get out of here. <laughs> god that would by the way cat that would kill me the honey i'm allergic to honey oh no yeah so I'm okay well that don't away. have the zombie killer you know and also don't admit that to rob yeah yeah he's just a file what are you gonna fucking kill me <laughs> what the just, hell? you know just just some some information is nice to have that's all i'm saying <laughs> don't think anything of it oh, the box please. shows up and it's you know <laughs> dripping don't worry about it just open it up <laughs> A police report needs to be made. <laughs> People have to know about this. <laughs> what are you drinking, Rob? A Diet Pepsi. <sighs> so here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. 
I was I wanted to go to the liquor store because uh, I'm out of booze, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but then uh, my son and I we went out to eat, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, on the way home, I couldn't really stop at the liquor store because he can't go in because it's Indiana's stupid laws, so he'd have to wait in the car. And when I was a kid, my parents did that shit all the time. Like we'd be in a bad neighborhood and everything. They'd be like, just lock the door and honk the horn if anything happens. And they both <laughs> they just fucking leave me sitting in the car while they went in to get their booze, you know? But but now if I did that, even in a good neighborhood, it, you know, the middle of the day, somebody fucking call the cops on me. And, you know, <laughs> so I couldn't do it then. And then I got home and, well, I just never made it back out to the liquor store. So I'm drinking Diet Pepsi. Although I did have, I did have a margarita at dinner. You know, Drink roll call was your idea. Yeah, I, know. Right? Okay. <laughs> I know, and it was fun uh, at the time when I was drinking a lot. But, you know. Me and Kat are going out of our way to find all these cool fucking drinks <laughs> to drink on the show. And you just keep coming with, like, glorified water that tastes like crap and Diet Pepsi. It's not. It's liquid death. It's shit. We've been it's over not this. water. So, but, uh, yeah, Diet Pepsi tonight. Unbelievable. You know, like. I don't know why we've bothered doing the same thing. Like we're, I'm drinking stuff like that. IPA sucked last week. This high noon is shit. Now I have a whole case of it. All for your drink roll hall. You won't even drink. Like, I'm finding was... new fun alcohols though. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to. I just I went out to dinner with my kid and then I just didn't get a chance. <laughs> Make sure Rob you pulling that honk the horn if anything happened shit. And he's like looking at drinks with a horn going on like what the, who the hell's honking a horn like that? <laughs> Just it. yeah i mean that's the thing though if i did that seriously like i'd come out of the liquor store and there'd be like four cop cars in the parking lot i i okay so you know and then so it was like i'd have to bring him home and then i have to go back out and the problem was i changed out of my jeans and into my pajama pants and then i was just in for the night so oh, you what? can go to a liquor store in pajama pants yeah. no <laughs> No, that's like the no. one place it's acceptable to, that in walmart yeah I, was gonna say, I know i know damn well people do it at walmart i see them idiots <laughs> all the time pisses me off <laughs> if i gotta put on pants so do you dickhead yeah news for you on long island anywhere is acceptable to go in pajama pants <laughs> you will see a motherfucker on pj pants and there's a chance it might be me don't care <laughs> i will say lately i it's Pajama pants are comfy. They are. Yeah, I got yeah. really used to wearing them, and and now it's you know. Yeah. No, I won't. I won't go out in them. I the only thing I right. like, I'll go out. Like I'll walk the dog, and I'll be like, take the dog out, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Or walk over to check my mail here in the uh, apartments, or um, like if I'm going to run through the drive-through someplace, like if I'm hungry, I'm like, damn, I want some McDonald's. And I'll just run through the drive-through. Then that's cool. But yeah, no, I'm not going to the liquor store in my pajama pants. Why not? Because people don't do that around here. I do. They do go to Walmart in them, though. I did go through a Taco Bell drive-thru in my underwear once. I had a shirt on. (laughs) That's acceptable, I think. Yeah. Right. I didn't get out of the car, right? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I didn't have to walk to my car in them, though, but (laughs) they were long underwear. Anyway, (laughs) the point is pajama pants, very acceptable on Long Island. People don't care. Just saying. It's a little different here. That's your fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, so all right, we'll kick you guys over to the interview with uh with Jeffrey, and we will be back after that. And we will also have uh Mr. Cat's boyfriend's guys uh Friday the 13th update. It's a nice hook. Everybody's yeah. sticking around for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Gotta hold them. We are very happy to have you with us, Mr. Reddick. Thank you very much for taking your time out of your schedule to speak with us. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's um, it's a Saturday night. It sure is. And, uh, and, um, <laughs> so I get to relax and talk horror. So, Yeah. Um, and specifically your horror, for at least for now. Um, oh, my. Uh, that, that, <laughs> there, there goes my Saturday. How do we read about your or Okay, fine. <laughs> Um, from, uh, you know, IMDB, which we all know is so reliable. Uh, it shows your first credit as a writer, uh, for the original final destination film. Is that correct? Is, you know, have you done anything before that? My, oh yeah, no, that was my first credit for, I was about to say return to cabin by the lake, but that was actually after final destination. Uh, yeah. Final destination was my first produced, uh, project. It wasn't my first paying gig. My first paid gig was to write a sequel for Pumpkinhead, um, which is one of my favorite, like, you know, old school monster movies. And then, um, yeah, they hired me to write a kind of a scary straight up sequel. And then they hired somebody else to write the movie that came out. And then they went with a movie that came out. So that was my first paid gig. Um, but Final Destination was my second paid gig. I have heard that there are screenwriters in Hollywood that have entire go an entire career and never have anything produced, but somehow make a living. So I, I think that's pretty par for the course. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yes, I know. I know many that are, that are doing quite well that have never had a movie produced. So um, yeah, it's um, you know, my goal is always, I want to get something made. So I, I, it's funny you say that because I had a manager once and he was like, um, you know, just write anything, Jeffrey, and I can sell it. I'm like, I, I don't want to write anything. I want to write something that gets made. And he said the same thing. He's like, I've got clients who are millionaires who've never had a movie made. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a millionaire with no movies made. And then cut to now. And I'm like, yeah, I would have maybe liked that. <laughs> now, being a millionaire with movies made sounds really fun. <laughs> uh, speaking of unreliable sources, uh, I read a story on Wikipedia today, the most reliable <laughs> source of all time <laughs> uh about you sending in your first uh treatment for uh, yeah Nightmare that is, is that true story. that is a true story <laughs> um no, i definitely wanted to ask about that because that what yeah. an interesting start <laughs> yeah it was it was it's it's a pretty fun story um yeah when i was 14 i saw the first nightmare on Elm street movie and you know i grew up in eastern kentucky so i'm like you know i'm like this little hillbilly that lives out in the middle of the woods on a farm as knows nothing about the movie industry but i loved horror films and um yeah i saw a nightmare on elm street like on a it was a double bill with alone in the dark which was also a movie new line cinema put out and um the nightmare on elm street just blew me away like i best it's my favorite horror movie of all time but uh blew me away and so i went home and i it was coming right out on VHS. So I, I found out the name of the company that put it out, called information in New York and got the number and then called and asked what the name of the president of the company was. And um, so I banged out a prequel idea on my on a little typewriter and mailed it up, mailed it to New York. And um, he sent it back at first. And he's like, you know, we don't take unsolicited material. And um, like I said, hillbilly. So I didn't know what unsolicited meant. So I had to look that up. <laughs> and then um, and then I wrote him back. I sent it back to him. And I'm like, look, sir, 
I've spent $3 on your movies. So I think you can at least take five minutes to read my story. <laughs> and he read it and he got back wow. to me with, with some comments and um, his assistant, Joy Mann, who um, I give, you know, as much credit to for as for inspiring me, like they just stayed in touch with me. Like they would send me scripts and, you know, cause they were like, you know, you need to learn writing. And they, so they would send me scripts and this was before New Line blew up, you know, cause New Line, Nightmare on Elm Street actually blew New Line up. So I kind of, got them at a time where Bob Shea had time to write somebody back <laughs> um, and, you know, got them on a good day too, you know? So um, yeah, they would send me movie posters and scripts to read. And then I would send scripts and they would be like, Oh, it got really good coverage, but um, you know, you need to do this. And then I, when I started working there, I, when I was 19, I went to New York to study acting at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and for the summer. And while I was there for the summer, I got an internship at New Line. And then I found all the old coverage on my scripts and it was awful. And I'm, <laughs> I was like, thank God they didn't tell me this when I was younger. I would, have, I would have quit writing. But, you know, it's a process, you know, you learn and, and you grow. But yeah, I ended up interning at New Line, got an agent that summer and then was like, screw school. I've got everything I need to be a superstar at 19. And I decided to stay in New York and then cut to it was 10 years of hard work before, the, <laughs> before I sold Final Destination. So, um yeah, it's a it's a fun story. Of, it just kind of shows you like, you know, there's definitely persistence is important. Um, you know, kind of being passionate about what you want to do is important. But there's also just a lot of luck um, and timing that comes into it. I um, love the idea of a 14 year old kid from Kentucky throwing shade at Bob Shea. That's just great. I know. <laughs> well, I said, sir. That is, that's amazing. I said, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I said, sir, and um, <laughs> what did you say, sir? You could throw anything you want before. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> That's incredible, though. Uh, that your your plan sounds like most 19 year old plans, except yours worked out phenomenally. Uh, but yeah, you're uh, how does that because you, you mentioned something. And again, I, I have very little actual knowledge of what goes on. I was hoping you can kind of uh, open the curtain on that a little bit. You said you sold uh, Final Destination. So. Uh, I feel like in in the world of film, from the audience standpoint, the director I've always thought just gets way too much credit, and the writers oh, yeah. don't. The writers yeah. don't. Um, yeah. So, Final Destination, your baby, your idea. I feel like a lot of people think, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this happens, the majority a film starts rolling, and then writers are brought in to create the idea. You had the idea already. Yeah, you know, and and I think that that. Um that perception, because I, I realized working in television, it's the complete opposite. That perception really started back when kind of directors like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock and stuff started kind of demanding that their names be put above titles. And then, you know, it really, you know, then obviously when people go to see movies, they go to see the stars, um, the actors in it. So they don't really think about the writing. And then from the business side of the business side of things it's really helped the studios to kind of stoke that idea that the writers aren't that important because they have to negotiate because you know from a business point of view they have to buy the script first um but from a negotiating point of view they used to negotiate with all the unions but then they broke it up so they negotiate with the directors first who will do a deal that's not really favorable to writers and then they'll do a deal with the actors and then they deal with the writers last. So by the time they get down to our deals, we, you know, they kind of have like really crappy baseline deals for the writers. That's why you always see writers 
having to go on strike. It's because, you know, now they've kind of, they've kind of done that hierarchy, but yeah, that, you know, just like a play, you know, it all starts with the, the script. Um, and then you go out and you get an actor or a director attached to it or a producer attached to it. Um, and, um, yeah, it's something that people don't think about a lot because, you know, really the, the directors and the, and the actors are the ones that are kind of out there um, doing a lot of the promoting um, for the film. So, you know, yes, writers don't often get the recognition that, that they deserve. Uh, and again, like I said, a lot of that's a business kind of thing. <laughs> I think if they had to if they had to hire directors first and then go find writers, they would they would probably have flipped it around and be putting the writers out there first. <laughs> to make them feel like they're super important <laughs> the as a as a writer um especially something like final destination where you you create this this script and and this world and everything is, how hard is it to hand it over to somebody else and trust that they're going to make a good movie you know what it's not it's it's everything it's always a process i think the best thing that i learned when i was working at new line cinema is because I saw it happen so many times. Um, and I, this was, isn't specific to no line. This was every studio. Um, the decision on how they pick a script is often so arbitrary. Like you, you would get, sometimes you would see a great script come in and then you also see a bad script come in with like a big actor attached and then they would make the bad script and they were, they would try to make the bad script better maybe, but they would forget about the good script because the other one had like an actor attached to it. So there's so many decisions behind why a, a studio moves forward with a certain project that I learned to kind of separate my ego from it. And I also realized like it's a business. Like the that's the thing when you work at studios, you realize they call it show business for a reason. It's, you know, it's about the business. And the creative stuff that we hold so important doesn't matter to them at all, in a way. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that every places like that and every company is like that but the bottom line especially it's gotten more so over the years because business people have been brought in to run studios um whereas back in the back in the old days you had a lot of film lovers people who grew up loving films running the studios and then as they started merging and getting more corporate you saw like it really is about the bottom line so you have to you have to pick your battles you have to you know but you also have to let it know like when you're a writer, like you sell the copyright to your work. Like it's where this is the only kind of art form where you sell the copyright to your, the ownership away to somebody else. Like artists will keep their copyright, but you commission them and you can buy prints of their work. But um, yeah, we, we have to basically sell ownership over to somebody else. So once that's gone, you have to, unless you're producing it yourself, you have to really learn to kind of let it go. Um, you have a choice on where you want to go with it and stuff like that. But like with Final Destination, I mean, I had been through so many iterations on that because um, I, I wrote a treatment first. Originally, I I used the concept as a X Files sample only to get an agent, though we didn't submit it to the X Files. Um, and then when, when we just, I you know, my friends at New Line were like, "This is a great movie idea. You should you should make it a movie." Uh, I approached some producers who'd used to work at New Line um, because I knew that even though I'd worked there for so long, they'd kind of saw me as like, you know, Jeffrey, the guy that, you know, wrote Bob Shea the letter when he was 14. Um, you know, they didn't necessarily see me as a as a writer writer. So I'm like, well, let me bring some producers on board. And then 
I had the first treatment, you know, that I wrote that was all adults and then Scream came out and then all of a sudden everybody was like, teenagers are hot again. Or I should say killing teenagers is hot again. Um, so, so let's make them all teenagers. I'm like, okay. So I made them teenagers. Um, and, you know, we had a, they had a hard time really kind of wrapping their head around death being the killer, not showing it. Um, but that was one thing that we were like very insistent on. I was, I was very insistent on. And um, yeah, when I wrote the script, um, you know, they went out, they went out actually interesting to Clay Barker first, um, who passed on it. And then I was in the office and Bob said, so what do you think about James Wong and Glenn Morgan who work on the X-Files? And I thought it was, first of all, I, I love their work. Um, but then I also thought it was very kind of synchronicity or that, you know, I'd originally envisioned this as an X-Files episode. Um, and it was kind of going back to these guys. And I knew that they were really talented filmmakers. Um, and they definitely did, you know, they kind of reimagined a lot of the story. Uh, but I think the best thing they did was, you know, my take was very much a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of version where death, since it messed up the first time, came back and basically mind effed i can't think of a better word um at this time uh, mind f the kids like till they committed suicide so it was very it was a, it was a lot a little darker than the rube goldberg kind of way that death gets them now so um i i think that that angle actually really helped make the movie a lot more palpable to people that maybe weren't genre fan like hardcore genre fans like i am um, I think it kind of put death all, you know, kind of out there is something that could use everyday items and things around you as opposed to like terrifying you into committing suicide. <laughs> um, that is so dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it still had a lot of fun too. I mean, I, right. I know it sounds, <laughs> it's, it sounds awful, but, um, yeah, it was, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it sounds amazing. It does. It does sound yeah. very good. <laughs> but it still had the playful nightmare nightmare kind of vibe to it, you know. Right. So I, I, this all sounds so good. And the final destination idea that you know behind your story, where did that come from? Because, like you said, death being the killer is such an out there idea. But I have a friend of mine, and I've heard several people say, like, Final Destination scares the shit out of them more than any movie. Because it's, you know, there's, it's so reality based in such a different way. So where did the whole concept in your head come up for the Final Destination in the first place? You know, I was reading an article. Um, I was flying home to visit my, my mom and sister in Kentucky. And I was reading an article about a woman who was on vacation. And her mom told her, like, don't take the flight. You're, you're scheduled to be flying on tomorrow because I have a bad feeling about it. And the woman changed flights. And the plane that she was supposed to be on crashed. So it was one of those stories in People Magazine that was like, ooh, this is weird. And I'm on a plane and I'm like, oh, that, that is weird. Um, and I think that that's what put the idea in my head about missing a flight. And then I think that trans that transferred into like a, having a premonition. Um, and, you know, it didn't immediately, it wasn't like lightning strike, you know, where I'm like, oh my God, this is a great movie. Um, it was kind of in my head you know, percolating for a while. And then, you know, I kind of came up with the idea of, a, you know, well, what if her mom didn't call her? What if she had a premonition? And, you know, and then what if she was supposed to die in the crash? And what if death, death came after her? So I, that's how it kind of evolved into that. Um, and then 
when I, you know, my, when I was trying to get a TV agent, they were like, well, write something for something that's on television. And I thought, oh, well, premonition will be a really cool way to um, open up the episode. If it's like Scull one of Scully's, like her brother, Charles, is, is who was in the episode who had the premonition. Um, and then the people that got off the flight started dying and, the, you know, everybody thought he was killing them. And she, you know, they were trying to prove it wasn't him. And then you realize like death was kind of setting everything right. Um, so yeah, it was an evolution of a, of a process. Um, and yeah, that was, again, not showing death was the hardest thing to kind of get the studio's head around. Cause they're like, we just, you know, you can't fight it. And you, you know, just, it's, and we're like, that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the whole point. That's people are afraid of death. It's unavoidable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is we had to threaten to take it to another, we were like, we're going to take it to Miramax if you guys pass on this again, <laughs> you know, because they didn't keep passing. They just kept saying, well, we're not sure, you know, so we're like, if you guys don't get this now, we're going to take it to Miramax. And they're like, we'll take it. My only regret is that, you know, I'm, a, again, a lifelong horror fan. And it's like, I, I don't have any damn action figures. Like, that's the only, only regret <laughs> about having an invisible killer. You know, it's awesome, awesome having Death be the killer. Because it's, you know, you, you don't see it and we haven't really seen that done before. But every time I see a Freddy toy or a Jason toy or Mike, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, on that note, it, it's not the same as having a toy. But I think the cultural phenomenon of Final you Destination, specifically the second yes. one. The um, truck memes. The yes. truck memes. <laughs> I, my boyfriend, uh, who is horrified of final destination like he i can't get him to sit down and watch it with me because he's spooked uh but he pat like he switched lanes the other day to not be driving behind a logging truck and i was like is this a final destination thing he's like maybe <laughs> no i have this i i actually do have to say i i should take the toy thing back because um you know people always know they always ask well did you know it was going to become as big as it did and i was like you know i always hope for a sequel like you always hope for that um but you know 22 years later to like you know and again the, the funny thing about the log truck scene was that was another thing like i'd written the story but you know craig perry who's the producer on the whole franchise who i adore um originally i had a hotel fire like the kids were going to spring break and they were staying in a hotel and there was a huge fire and he's like, yeah, just uh, I don't know. I want something, need something more. And again, going, I was going back to Kentucky, <laughs> go, go big blue. I was going back to Kentucky to visit my family. I got behind a log truck and I pulled into the next lane and then I pulled off the freeway and I called Craig and I was all like out of breath. I'm like, what about a line? And he's like, dude, slow down. I can't, I can't. what about a log truck on a freeway and the chain breaks. And he's like, that's the opening. And, um, it's those kind of moments where it's like, you know, cause I still pretty, I'm, I'm not exaggerating pretty much every other day, almost <laughs> I'm tagged on something with something stacked up, you know, behind somebody <laughs> and people talk about final destination. So the idea that, um, and I've heard people before it's, you know, where I've been out at like the coffee shop or whatever, and I'll hear somebody being like, Oh man, we had a final destination thing happen earlier. And I'm just like, you know, I want to be like, I did that, but I don't. Um, but it, it's actually very, it's, you can't, that's, I'm so grateful for that. Like you can't, 
that's better than a toy. <laughs> I was going to say, scrolling down your Twitter, it, it's like every day you get tagged. It's like you're retweeting something <laughs> of somebody with the damn truck. And, you know, talking about how does it feel to be able to have because, I mean, even personally, I feel that the second Final Destination is just, you know, to me, I enjoy watching that more than the original. And that never happens. Like, it's so rare. So how does it feel to be able to recreate that magic and have even maybe a longer lasting effect the second time around with a, a sequel? Well, you know what I've, I've said? And, you know, I actually the second one is my is my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The first one for is is so special for so many reasons you know a being that it's the first one um b you know working with tony todd for the first time mm. um working with devin sawa for the first time uh the rest of the cast is, is amazing as well but i've just gotten uh i mean i adored tony todd for so so long and and getting to be friends with him and getting to be friends with devin um you know i love the movie but I think the reason I like the second one more is because I got to do stuff that I love to do with sequels, you know, because the first one was very much, you know, we had to change stuff around a lot, you know, again, even going from adults to teenagers and it was such a hard thing to get set up. Um, and in the second one, um, you know, I got to, you know, the idea was like, I wanted to start off the story where you thought we were following another group of teenagers. Um, and then kill them all off except for Kimberly. Um, so, you know, I wanted to kind of do a, a fake out with that where you're like, oh, this is going to be another teen version sequel. And then it's like, oh, shit, they just killed them all off. Um, and I, you know, got to bring the, you know, I wanted to, I originally had planned to bring, you know, Devin and um, Allie back. So in my story, they were both, they both came back, but we could only get, get Allie back. But that's another thing that for, is a horror franchise nut. Like, I love it when, people from the original film return. Um, and I also wanted to explore um, how the people who cheated death in the first film, them being alive when they shouldn't have been, actually had a ripple effect and affected other people's lives too. So I got to kind of expand on the mythology rather than just setting up another movie or another premonition. You know, I got to expand mythology and show like, oh, we're all kind of connected. So those kids being alive when they shouldn't have been in the first movie actually impacted all these other people. Um, so it was just a, it's a kind of a, it was just, for me, it was a lot more fun because I, I got to play. Um, and Eric Gress and J. Mackie Gruber, I wrote the, the story for that one, but they, they came in and wrote the, the script and they did an amazing job of getting the humor, you know? Because um, again, for me, I, I, I do like scary horror. But I also like entertaining horror. I don't want to say fun horror, and I, but I want I like entertaining people with the horror stuff, like creeping them out, but also entertaining them. And I think that the second movie kind of got that balance right about having the oh shit shocks, um, you know. And plus, that freeway scene is probably one of my favorite openings of top five openings of a horror movie. Absolutely. Um, uh, do you have a favorite? this is kind of along that line do you have a favorite death from the franchise i mean there's a couple that there's a couple that strike me for different reasons like todd's death in the first one in the bathtub um and when i say favorite i just mean more that sticks with me the most right um 
Todd's death in the bathtub um, sticks with me just because I think Chad Danella did such a good job in that and it was directed so well and it was so, I felt so bad for him. <laughs> it just really, I felt horrible for him. Um, of course, the bus bladder is like the the most fun scene to see in a theater <laughs> with anybody. Um, but I think of, I you know, I think the one that, I'm only going by my gut reaction, but the the only, the one that made me like jump out of my seat and yell was the gymnastic scene in the last one in part five. Um, that was, you know, it takes a lot to like make me freak out, but I was literally was watching an, a early screening of that movie. And when that gymnastic scene ended, I was like, shit. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> We, we, we were recently, talking about that one uh, just yeah. recently on our show. <laughs> we just did Final Destination 5, and I haven't seen it in a while, and that was pretty much my reaction. I was saying, I said, holy crap. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Close from out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if a body would do that, but holy crap, it was like, <laughs> it was, um, it, yeah. That is funny. Uh, also, by the way, as I'm sitting here thinking, uh, Tony Todd action figures for Final Destination. No, that I mean they could. Cool. Those little would be corridor cool. trucks to yeah. like, follow little people around. Trucks. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. I had thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Tony Todd. Anything would be awesome. Anything's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I that Fair. man. I I saw. Um, I went. He did a one man show. Um, here about one of. I think it was the first African American um boxer to win a a title, and um, it's a long show it's it's over an hour with no break and it's just him and this was like a maybe a year and a half now this it was right before covid it was like a year before covid um but it's just him on stage for over an hour just mesmerizing and um going through like this the whole emotional gamut of being like you know a fighter and then broken and then you know just everything and He's such a, I keep forgetting he's like a theatrically trained actor. He's so, so amazing. And then after the show, I was talking to him and he, he's like, man, I messed up two lines. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> I couldn't, I, first of all, I couldn't tell, but at all that there was anything. But dude, you just tore that stage up for like a long time. Yeah, he's amazing. And just such a <laughs> kind hearted good person if there's anyone that could hold your attention for an hour with just one guy on stage talking <laughs> it would be tony todd right? yeah i mean yeah he's he's amazing yeah so um yeah that was one of the you know that's that was one of the biggest you know blessings of, of this franchise is you know when they when they said they were bringing tony todd on board i'm like you mean you mean candy man <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> Um, I, on your when looking at the highly suspect sources online uh, again, um, <laughs> listed in your credits, uh, the first two final destinations, uh, none none of the other sequels were you involved in those at all? Um, not technically. I mean, I'm I'm you know, I'm listed as a creator of them since I, you know, kind of created the franchise. But um, but I I've been involved through either being friends with the directors and writers because you know they brought some of the same people back. Um, and through Craig Perry. And so I, I'm always like in the loop on what's going on with them. Like I, you know, Guy Busick um, and his writing partner, Stephanie, are working on the new one. Uh, they worked on the, um, you know, Ready or Not and the Scream remake. So, you know, they were very cool and had a Zoom call with me before they started working on the script. And 
so you know i've 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 stayed involved in it like i i love the franchise um i'm very much you know there's for me i've always seen this as like there's so many ways that death can get people like i've always kind of pitched the why don't we do a death has a new design and kind of do something else but you know again if it's if it's not broke don't fix it so they like the rube goldberg um angle which i totally understand like you don't want to get too far away from formula but um you know i would definitely be interested in trying to you know i you know i wouldn't go as crazy as like halloween 3 where it was like a completely different genre or anything like that (laughs) um but but you know i i don't know i think death is it's just a fascinating subject that we it would be interesting to it, it kind of expand the mythology and maybe death's mo even more but i do understand that the whole rube goldberg thing is what really makes it rock with people you know like how how is death going to use everything everyday objects around me to get me so i definitely understand why we the studio wants to kind of stay in that kind of realm with it but you know if i did come back to it i'd love to like try something new with it right it does increase the paranoia if anything around you can kill you at any time yeah 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 it keeps it grounded i'm glad that you mentioned the new one though because that was something i had wanted to ask about um do you know anything can you tell us anything is there (laughs) i mean i can't i mean i know i I know things um um uh, uh, yeah i mean all i can say is like And this isn't just like being a shill, you know, for like a movie. <laughs> right. No, no, it's not. But I'm actually really excited by by what they've come up with. Um uh the writer of Spider-Man actually came up with the story. Um I'm blanking on his last name just because I'm on the spot right now. And I I'm <laughs> afraid to try to turn on my switch on my phone to the internet. <laughs> um, because I'll hang up on the call. Um but it's very much um, still a Final Destination movie, but it's also like, you know, it's not anything like crazy, like a whatever they keep coming up with all these weird names for stuff. Like, a, it's not a requel or anything. It's not anything crazy, um, but it is not your typical, you know, have an accident, death starts knocking off the survivors. It's not, it's different than that. Um, that's all I can say, but it's very much a Final Destination movie, and I think it's, I thought, I think it's a really, really smart way. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. I, it's interesting too. I didn't know we had um Jamie and uh and Guy on obviously to on our show obviously discussing Scream when it came out. I didn't know they were involved in the new Final Destination project, and kind of like they said what they went through, um, you know, with previous writers on Scream and you know reached out to you like they did with them and you know the passion that they have for the stuff that they work on i'm actually very much more excited now knowing they're involved with it just knowing everything they bring to the table as far as you know wanting to do things right and 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 appreciating what came before it and all that stuff so that's really good news here i didn't even know that yeah no i thought that's you know that was it was really nice because we had a, a really wonderful conversation and like they're fans you know and I'm kind of the same way. Like if I do a book adaptation or something like that, it's like, I want to talk to the writer of the book because it's like, I want to try to make sure that I'm keeping the spirit of stuff. Even if I have to change stuff to fit a Mm -hmm. movie format, like I don't want to lose like stuff that's really important to the, 
to the writers. So, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, give them some of the stuff that, you know, it, it give them some of the, of my initial kernels of stuff. And then also kind of throw in a couple of things that, that I had kind of, that were in my mind that kind of got tweaked a little bit from the movie that I thought would be interesting to kind of revisit. So, um, yeah, they were super gracious and, um, yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm excited. I mean, you know, right now, you know, this is like all over the news, so it's not anything, but Disney or the discovery channel bought HBO max, uh, which is what the, when it, where it's going to come out on, um, and Warner brothers, um, I think just Warner brothers digital, but they, I don't think it was all of Warner brothers, but, um, so there's some delays now cause they're still at the writing phase. Um, you know, I think they're almost done with the script, but you know, I keep, people keep tweeting me going, when's the movie coming out? I'm like, they haven't even finished the script yet. Um, <laughs> they're still working on it. it takes time. Horror, people. horror fans are notoriously impatient. I think. I know, uh-huh. it, which is fine. I understand. <laughs> I'd be impatient too. I want to. I want the movie out yesterday as well. But um, keep in mind, Jeffrey, this is coming from the guy who threatened to fight Jason Blum if Halloween didn't come out when it was supposed to. So he's still take, threatening. Yeah, don't know. We have changed it because I found out that Jason Blum works out and he's in a lot better shape than I am. <laughs> I'm just going to show up at his house with a tub of popcorn on the date, and I'm going to tell him I'm here to watch Halloween ends. <laughs> I mean, That's so funny. That is so funny. Yeah, I know. I, I the other night. I mean, this is off on a tangent, but I remember, you know, I I, I sit up and watch the boys when it drops. Um, and not this last week's episode, but the week before that, it didn't. It would drop like twenty minutes late or something. Mm. And um, so I'm sitting up at midnight, and then I'm like, I get on Twitter, and people are like freaking out, and I'm just, I am getting annoyed because I'm like, I stayed up till midnight, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> waiting for this. But then I was like, well, I'm not, I'm damn sure not going to bed now until it, <laughs> until it drops. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we all get a little impatient now with the, yeah. <laughs> we want our stuff yesterday. Um, but no, I'm excited. I think, you know, it, the timing's right for, well, I think the timing's been right for a while for the new one. But, um, I, you know, I think now we're kind of in this streaming age, um, especially, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, HBO Max is, is a, you know a very strong streamer and they want to put some you know they they're definitely up in their game as far as like getting people to subscribe to hbo max and you know they've got a lot of great shows on there already and you know i you know i think they're going to put the money behind it to make sure it's you know just as good as the best of the rest of the other ones and um i'm excited to see what they do with it you mentioned um, working on like adapting books or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. From what I see here, you you wrote the adaptation of uh, one of my favorite zombie films, Day of the Dead. Um, is that a daunting project? I mean, that's that's like such a legendary and classic property. Is it daunting to to look at that and go, okay, we're going to remake this? How do I write this? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's funny because at, at the end of the day day of the movie itself is it is a really fun zombie movie it should not be called day of the dead at the end of the day that's where it's at that's where it landed like it's you know that with the end product they should have just called it zombies attack a town or something like that and it's a fun movie um it's got a really good cast and steve minor was you know directed it and i i end with that because then i have to start back at the beginning because yes when i first met with him um they had the rights to to remake Day of the Dead, but they could only they couldn't connect it to the other 
movies. They could only, you know what I'm saying? So it couldn't be a continuation of Dawn of the Dead. It, could, it had to be its own kind of standalone movie using the elements from Day of the Dead. So they already had Steve Miner hired and they were going to make the movie. So they asked me to come in and pitch. And so I went and I pitched, you know, I came up with a pitch that was very close to the original, but updated it somewhat. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it still took place mostly, you know, in a military facility, you know, in a kind of bunker situation. And it, it just, right. it was, it was, it was very, it was more of a Dawn of the Dead version of Day of the Dead. You know, it's still honored a lot more of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew going in, like I, you know, I told Steve and the producers, I'm like, you know, we're going to get murdered if we make the best version of this. Cause even Zack Snyder <laughs> got killed by the fans and that movie was fucking awesome. So I'm like, we're going to get murdered no matter what we do. Um, so I said, we have to be as respectful as possible. And they were like, yes, yes. And then after they hired me to write the script, they started making me, and I'm not passing the buck, like, but literally they started making me change stuff like all the time. And it got to the point where if you see interviews with me when I first got hired to write it, because I base it solely off my treatment, I'm like, the fans are going to be, I think, really excited with our with the movie. And then if you read later interviews with me, I'm like, it's a movie. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> because I, because it, had, it, had, it had changed, it changed so much that I literally had to call my manager and tell him, like, you have to tell him I can't change this anymore because it's turned into like, it's just turned into a completely different movie than what I was hired to write. And it was because they were set, they just kept second guessing themselves. And they're like, well, we haven't seen this before. So why don't we make, want to make the younger characters like 13 i'm like but they're carrying machetes and machine guns <laughs> yeah but, but we've never seen that before that'd be cool i'm like no that's stupid that's why we haven't seen it before <laughs> so there were just so many that turned into like such a while it was happening it turned into a stressful process um again at the end of the day because there's a couple things i, I always have to remember how fortunate i am to be able to be making movies and get a movie made so unless a movie's like a complete nightmare piece of shit i'm not (laughs) you know what i'm saying and i was behind the scenes doing it um i'm not i you know i i'm gonna i'm grateful for you know just being able to work in the field i love so um but i also have to process stuff creatively so when something turns out different than i imagined there comes a point where it's like you know i can watch day the dead i'm like yes there's some i don't necessarily like the sped up zombie stuff and there's some stuff i don't like you know that's just not my cup of tea but it's still a fucking fun movie like i show it to people who aren't george romero fans and they're like this is a fucking really fun bloody movie um and it's a good movie it's got a good cast in it um but yes as a as a if you're a diehard george romero which i am a diehard george romero fan um you know it's not like tom savini's remake which was was so much closer to the original Mm -hmm. um which I really enjoyed too. Um, so yeah, it, it's daunting, but at the end, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, they're going to, somebody's going to make this. And in, in my ego way, I was like, well, at least if I make it, I can make it as close to the original as possible. And then that kind of started changing. And I was like, Oh, that's how people start off with good intentions, but the movie doesn't end up, <laughs> end up where they, cause you think you're, you're going to have all the control, but you're just the writer. Um, <laughs> um and everybody else has all the stuff they want you to put in there. And that that's the conversation we have, you know, on our side of the screen, you know, and it's very interesting to hear, you know, with all this going on, the actual making of these projects that, you know, you have these conversations and these, 
you know, kind of, I don't want to call them debates, but you know what I mean? Like there's just stuff in there where you, even you as a writer is like, you know, it's compromising. And, you know, we sit on the couch and we watch it and we go, well, did they, what were they thinking? Did they know this? And it's good yeah. to hear that it's discussed, you know, and there are, you know, there, there are those debates, which is wild, but yeah, it's, it's, there's such a fine line when you're remaking something with the integrity of the re- integrity of the originals and, you know, updating yeah. it for a new audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a, and, and again, you know, you're stepping into, mm-hmm. you know, you're stepping into like a minefield anyway, because, you know, again, horror fans are great, but you know, there's mm-hmm. definitely, um, <laughs> you know, they're protective of their, of their babies, but you know, the, the thing I think people have to realize is, you know, the, the thing that I always have to remind people, because they're always like, why do they keep making stuff? You know, right, I guess writers are out of new ideas. It's like, no, we have plenty of new ideas. We're always pitching new ideas. But this people that are financing the movies yeah. are worried about covering their investments. So are they going to invest in a movie that's new or are they going to invest in a remake? They're, they're always going to come back to doing a remake. Like they're, they come to us like we don't go to them saying, hey, we want to remake i want to remake final destination like we don't do that they come to us saying hey we're gonna we just got the rights to this old horror movie Let, we're gonna remake it you know uh because it's a safer bet for them because they know there's an audience out there for that's already seen it and will probably come back and see it again right so it's completely the business side of that's making all these decisions it's not the writers that are like you know yeah i don't have any ideas let me try to remake you know because whoever owns the rights of the movie, they're the ones that are go- going out saying, "Hey, we're making this movie. We're making we're making this movie now." Um, so yeah, it's not like it's not like the writers don't have um, a lack of original material. It's just like you know, we got to get the people to give us the money to make it, <laughs> and they're going to put their money. They're going to put their money behind. You know, again, either now it's all about IPs you know, books that are already made or video games or something that's already out there in another form. Um, it's all about an existing, you know, in, intellectual property that's out there, you know. And yeah. So the business business has changed. It's gotten better now, I think, with with all the streamers and all, you know, there's so many more outlets now. So that's the positive is there's more ways to get your work out there. Um, but it's also the whole business model has changed um from how it was when i when i was starting out like when i started out a studio would buy your script and they would hire a director and hire an actor now you go out with the script to like producers or studios and they're like well who's the actor attached and i'm like that Mm. used to be your job (laughs) like (laughs) like i i can't attach an actor unless you want to make if you want to pay their fee um right so it's like a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they used to do now they expect the writers or creators you know creatives to do the, that work for them and kind of bring them something you know that's already got like a director and a star attached it's really sad to see too because i i feel what you mean by that and uh going back to the the remakes and studios cover and trying to get those people to come in the door from existing stuff because you see things and i'll use child's play just because it's the best example off the top of my head if they would have named it something else and got away from that child's play thing, I feel like the story that and what they did for that movie was so good. If it was its own thing, you know, it, it could have maybe yeah. started its own franchise. And I feel like a lot of these uh, studios or whoever's in charge of, you know, the actual of all that stuff, 
they don't trust their writers and 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 actors even enough to to carry something and that's a shame because you get a lot of stuff that has great work in there and it's just got some you know existing thing attached to it and it kind of ruins it yeah no i yeah i think because there's an expectation right. when it's a, a certain movie like yeah they could have called it robot doll <laughs> robo doll <laughs> um, stabby robo doll um yeah it's, i would it's so always... buy a ticket to see stabby robo doll <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a slasher radio movie right there. <laughs> Unfortunately, it does. <laughs> I, I just watched um, uh, your film, Don't Look Back, today. And um, yep. you did a tremendous job. And have you considered or, or is moving into directing something you're looking at more? Or was that just uh, yeah. you wanted to try it? I, no, that's something I that's, that's something I've wanted to do. Um, I I you know, I'm, I'm not, I've, I've not been one of those people who that's always been my goal. Um, it's kind of, there are just a couple scripts that I have that I want to direct. And, um, I did a short called good Samaritan that was based off one of the characters from don't look back. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's it's online, but it's, it's a straight up kind of horror version of the feature. And with feature, the thing I loved about it when I wrote it was that it's more of a mystery because it the horror part of me having grown up reading Fangoria, having so many horror directors go, this isn't really a horror movie. It's a psychological thriller. I'm like, fuck you. It's a horror movie. Um, <laughs> Cause they're saying it like horror is a dirty word, but for this movie, that's true. Like I, when I, when I first wrote it, when I was developing it, you know, with the producer, I had kind of a horror version that I was going to write. And then the producer was like, why don't you make this more of a, what's doing it like we don't know if it's a supernatural killer or if it's a real killer um and i thought that, you know as a creative exercise i think that was really fun to write but it's funny because as a horror director you know or as a horror writer who's known for final destination um i kind of knew there was part of it that knew like fans are going to be expecting it to be like supernatural mm -hmm. horror film so I, I knew there was going to be some issues with the, the fact that we didn't a have the final destination budget and B I couldn't really show the kills because, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously for people who haven't seen it, but you don't know if it's a killer or if it's something supernatural after these people. So you can't really show them as they're getting killed or dying because you can't give away, you know, what it is. So it's definitely more of a, a mystery than a, than a horror movie. Um, it, but I had a lot, lot of I, yeah, no, I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, learned a lot of stuff, um, got to work with some really talented people. So, uh, and yeah, so I had a lot, a lot of fun doing it, yeah. but it, it's, it's funny. I, I immediately go into like, <laughs> but horror fans, it's not, a, it's not going to be like big budget <laughs> blood fest of final destination. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, but yeah, no, I have a couple other projects that I'm going to be directing um, that are going to be straight up horror, um, which I'm excited about. Um, so one's going to be like a supernatural horror film and one's going to be a slasher movie. So I'm going to get to do my slasher movie. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I, not that you uh, you need my advice, but uh, if I were you, I would try to get Courtney Bell in as many of those movies as you can. She's terrific and don't look She's back fucking phenomenal yeah, and um, i mean she really carries that movie she's great and she's um she's um 
a wonderful actress, wonderful person. Uh, she just directed um, like a pilot that's making the festival rounds, I think. I, I hope I'm allowed to say that. But um, it's so funny because, um, you know, for me, especially just being a filmmaker, you know, who's of color, like I've always, I've seen so many times where we, we passed up really amazing black actresses for leading ladies in my stuff um where they came in and were amazing like the best actresses by far but then it would be like well it's internationally it's not going to sell as well or you know middle america is not ready for a black leading lady like i've heard that since final destination like it's just been you know that's a much bigger conversation we're having now um you know as far as diversity in, in film but the people that watch these movies don't seem to realize or don't it's not that they don't seem to realize but they don't know that you know behind the scenes on the business end of it like again like literally in so many auditions like a black or latina or an asian actress has been like the best actress that we saw like by far for a role but then they're like well she, you know she's not white it's not going to sell as well um so they just weren't ever considered for for leading roles and so now we're seeing that change so much, but I was really glad that I, you know, got to cast Courtney in my first film. And I actually saw her, um, she had auditioned, uh, but then she'd also had a website up that um, had a bunch of shorts that she'd done. And I noticed that in every short, she was completely different. Like she, you know, was funny. And then in another short, she was like really serious. And then she was very vulnerable. And I'm like, oh, she's got everything. She's got everything I want <laughs> for the, <laughs> for, for, Caitlin, the leading lady, and you know, and the camera loves her too. She's she's beautiful, but she's also like, yeah, and she's got a great scream. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's she's a great screamer. Scream clean, screaming is important. Uh, while we're talking about some of your older work, uh, can I ask how close you you've talked about the creative differences, kind of the original getting morphed? How close would you say that Tamara was to the original script? The funny thing is, I will say that Tamara is is probably the closest to the original, but with a big copy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's why I ended up writing a book adaptation and put the, the um there there again. But originally, Lionsgate was going to put it out, and we ended up having some independent producers. Uh, produce it and and Jeremy Happ the director is amazing the cast I love that fucking cast um but they watered down a lot of the script um because when I wrote Tamara because this was coming at a time in my life when I was like everybody kept saying right come up with something like Final Destination I'm like oh sure I'll just pull another one out of my ass you know <laughs> um you know give us a high concept oh that one's too much like Final so I'm like let me just write it something fun and Carrie obviously is an influence on Tamara. Um, you know, I, I love the idea, you know, of, you know, I don't love the idea of bullying because I was bullied as a, a lot growing up, but, you know, I love the idea of a, of a character who's bullied, who gets power and comes back. But with Carrie, I'm like, you have to wait till the end of the movie. So I'm like, I want to do a movie where you get to see the whole movie is, you know, this, this put upon girl, like getting this power and coming back. Um, and, and wreaking revenge on on her tormentors and um but there was a they, they just toned down a lot of stuff like in the original script you know um in the original script like 
Chloe, the lead character, was was a lesbian, so she was coming out and having trouble with that. And you know how Tamara kind of takes each kid's kind of fear or something they've done and turns it on them. Um, so that kind of paid off at the end of the movie when Chloe's parents like show up at the hospital and try to kill her. And that happened. Well, that didn't happen to me, but um, <laughs> when I when I came out to my mom, like, and she ended up, you know, coming around very quickly, but. Literally, the first thing my mom said to me when I told her, she's like, you know, you might as well have stuck a knife in my heart. Like, that was the first thing she told me. And so that stuck with me. And so I kind of played that out in the film. And they were like, well, we can't really afford parents because we don't have the money. So let's just cut all that out. I I think it was more the subject matter. Um, And then my biggest issue is the, I'm assuming everybody's seen it. And if not, I'll, I'll be vague enough. But my biggest issue is the way she gets back at the jocks. Um, or the jock and his kind of stoner friend, because their whole subplot in the script was that they had date raped some girls. And so her revenge on them was putting a spell on them and she made one of the guys rape the other guy. And that was in the script. Lionsgate loved it. Nobody had a problem with it. And I get a call the day before they're shooting the scene and they're like, well, how much do you want us to show? And I'm like, well, it's not a sex scene. You know, it's, it's a rape scene. So show whatever you would show if you were showing this happening to a female character, like this isn't about sex. Um, and then I saw the movie and they, they pushed out on it so much like that they have her making out with the guy's first, which she would never have done. Um, and then she pushes their faces together and then they kiss and they fall out of frame. And then later on, they're under the sheets with all their clothes on. Um, so it turned into this whole thing where it's like, she made him gay or something ridiculous. So they softened a lot of that stuff up. That I really was going to ask this... about that. Cause yes. <laughs> that was like, I think my biggest complaint about that. Th- that was one of my favorite movies as. That's one of my favorite. Yeah. A kid. But like that, th- that was my biggest problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that wasn't intentional. No, but... <laughs> it wasn't intentional on my end. And I, I was <laughs> livid when I found out when I saw it, I'm like, guys, do you realize like, this is a complete opposite. <laughs> of this and yeah I was furious and it, and it all and it all was like silly because it was like the you know it was there was some behind the scenes stuff going on with you know I don't want to call out any people but you know it it just was ridiculous and and it completely turned the movie again I always say Tamara's like the after school special of the R-rated movie that I wrote um because it's just got that soft edge because they took out a lot of the stuff that really would have pushed it you know i think because you know lionsgate was going to put it out theatrically but when they saw the film and this isn't shitting on the film at all it's just again it's it's just a softer version of the script that i wrote and they're like they decided to put it out on video as opposed to giving it a theatrical but um that movie is is very close except for stuff that they kind of trimmed out and took you know that they toned down that's very much that's very close to the to the script so that's kind of one of my favorites because i also love you know i just love some of tamra's like <laughs> bitchy dialogue when she comes back from the dead <laughs> she's got so many great one-liners in that movie does it um, make you wish at all that uh you were able to make that now because i i think i was gonna yeah, ask that, that original yeah. script would pass a lot easier today with I, maybe i'm wrong but no, i feel would, like it, a streaming would, service would pick this yeah, up and no. maybe not have to tone it down so much 
Yeah, no, I think it would. And trust me, I've, <laughs> I've thought about it. it, it very, yeah, I, there, there's a bunch of, because there were so many small production companies that ended up getting the rights to it, to make it. And they're all tangled up right now. But I've, that's actually one that I've thought about revisiting. Um, uh, just because I, I, had, I, I had plans for that one. Um, especially when Lionsgate was going to originally put it out. And I had plans to kind of make that um, kind of a trilogy of films. Um, not I to sound like pretentious. Trilogy. <laughs> but yeah, like, because I, I mentioned her mom, but I was going to bring her, I already had the idea for the sequel, bringing her mom back, you know, and resurrect. Yeah, I had all, I had stuff planned out for it. It <laughs> would be a um, fun trilogy, yeah. Yeah. How do we get in contact with HBO Max? To... <laughs> well, no, that's that's Lionsgate, but um, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. The funny thing is, I've 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 thought about that, but then I've also been like, yeah, you know, I could write another movie with somebody getting bullied and coming back. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Tamara is Tamara. I do say out of out of all out of all my films is my after Final Destination is my is my favorite because even despite again and this it's a process because you know i was on set and everybody's exciting and it's it's wonderful but just again once the movie comes out you kind of have to let go of the stuff you had in your head but i will say the lesson that i learned directing my own film especially on a on a ultra low budget is when i directed it i was like you know why don't they make the movie that's in my head but then i realized like you have to have a lot of money to make the movie that's in your head. Um, like, so even when I directed Good Samaritan, like so much of the stuff, or Don't Look Back, so much of the stuff in Don't Look Back is not how I had envisioned it in my head because we just couldn't afford to do it that way. Like, you know, we had a limited number of days, you know, access to certain locations. Like we just, you know, like we didn't have like tens of millions of dollars to like, build like sets that I you know what I'm saying like so I couldn't make the movie that was in my head because we didn't have the money to do it so I definitely learned a new appreciation for what people can pull off on a low budget doing my own film and then I was like oh that's why a lot of the movies I write the movie isn't like it's in my head because they couldn't afford to do it <laughs> like it's, it's it's that simple Uh, one question that I had for you uh, specifically, because we have you on during Pride Month. I was wondering if you had any uh, like movie, TV, book recommendations. Um, that's a good question. I haven't. Um, that's so funny. No, that's the one question <laughs> nobody's asked me, and it's been a whole, whole Pride Month. Um, <laughs> you know what? Um, there's some let me oh okay um it depends it depends like if 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 you're interested in like the kind of historical kind of you know history of gay horror like one of my friends paul etheridge did and he did this right out of film school with no money so this i, mean, I preface it by saying <laughs> that but he did a movie called hellbent which was like you know kind of made it when it first came out it was like the first like released by a distributor like slasher movie gay slasher movie um that came out in the um i think early 2000s um again very small budget but but a really fun kind of gay slasher film um you know there's a lot of stuff on tv that i that i feel like um not a lot of horror there's not a lot of horror i think we um 
I like the boys. It's got a lot of butts in it. Um, <laughs> and it's a great show. <laughs> and lots of fake penises. And then Euphoria has real penises. Um, but it's not all about penises um, for gay pride. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> we have we have to we have to laugh a little bit with what's what's going on right. in the world yeah. right now. So um, that's I should be a lot more up on my um, on 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 my gay stuff. But um, it's hard. The intersection of gay and horror is not a big enough section. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a question yeah. I get asked a lot, and I'm just kind of uh pushing the responsibility onto our guest host but... well it's funny because um the funny thing is there's so many gay filmmakers in the genre like kevin williamson and don mancini myself um greg berlani does a lot of sci-fi stuff like all of his stuff on cw is very interesting um you know the chucky series mm-hmm. um on tv had had a had a really wonderful kind of gay uh character in the lead and a kind of a, a you know cute little you know it's obviously high school gay gay love story but a cute gay love story at the center of it amid, amidst all the blood and viscera <laughs> um you know but i think don mancini you know has been you know has had inclusion in in a lot of his films for a long time um you know scream had a you know they they kind of trumpeted it as a big you know yay a lesbian character and i'm like well she kissed a girl in one scene but other <laughs> other than that you didn't know she was a lesbian um but you know i think the fu- the funny thing is and i live in you know i've lived in you know aside from kentucky i lived in new york and los angeles but there is a huge you know gay audience for um for horror like every time i go opening night it's like there's a gaggle of gays and lesbians in the theater <laughs> um because we love horror films so it's only natural that there be representation and i and i honestly have found um for the super most part like the horror community is very accepting because i think a lot of times just horror the horror fans in general have kind of always grown up feeling a little bit like they don't fit in and kind of know what that's like mm-hmm. so um i've never really experienced you know homophobia at like a fan event or anything like that like you know i'm i know that there are guys out there somewhere and people out there somewhere that probably do but you know i think you know the horror community is as is is the most accepting that i've seen in general um i think if you give them good scares i think it's about representation i mean i've had characters like i said tamra is a prime example where you know i just had characters degade um you know, like Chloe, you know, he's just, you know, she's just there now and she, everybody's like, why does she hook up with Jesse? I'm like, cause she's a lesbian. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> they took it out. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think that, that, that it's, you know, I think that that's something we're going to see change. So just because, you know, the, the reality is like, you know, we're part of, the human race just like everybody else so we're going to pop up in horror films we're going to pop up in any genre film um you know and there's that pushback now where everything you know if, if you show diversity at all or you know if you i remember when the first image for jurassic park came out with like chris pratt and the um african-american woman on the bridge holding flares and i saw a bunch of idiots on twitter going oh my god this movie's woke i'm like what the it's, it's, it's just because it's got a black woman in it it's woke now because it has a black woman in it like 
<laughs> so, so people are getting very like oh, pushback, pushbacky about certain things. And again, there are, I don't like that term woke because for so long people kept saying, you need to wake up, wake up. And then it's like, oh no, you're too awake. Um, that's <laughs> funny. <like, laughs> um, but yeah, there, there are movies that I, I, I feel like push an agenda, but then I think sometimes people are, we're so used to, again, we're so used to seeing certain things on screen all the time, like, especially like, you know, pretty white actors and actresses were kind of the norm since the beginning of cinema. <laughs> like they had, they got all the roles except for a few. So if you go to see a film that has a lot of people that aren't pretty white actors and actresses, it's kind of shell shock for society. But then you also have to look at like society, like with Final Destination, we, that was set in New York. And I'm like, I said, I, you know, we don't have to overdo it, but you can't go into a high school in New York and just see all white kids. So let's just make sure we have, and I, and I wrote some diverse characters into the script and there was nothing about them except the fact that they were a black character who was going through shit. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a black movie. It didn't make it any kind of statement kind of movie. Um, but they shot it in Canada. I think that's probably the problem. Um, they shot it in Canada. And so when I see all the cast, I'm like, Hey guys, they're all white. <laughs> and this isn't. This is. This is supposed to be New York. I'm not trying to make a message. Just trying to be realistic. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do think the horror genre has some catching up to do in that area. But I think, uh, hopefully, anyway, we're starting to see it get there. Yeah. No, I think. I think audiences they just they want a good scare, you know, and they want interesting stories that they haven't seen. And yes, there, there's, there's always going to be, which there's nothing wrong with, there's always going to be the section of horror films where they're just like, I want to go see boobs and blood. And that's good for them. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to judge them. Um, but I think, you know, the horror films that actually do really, really well and usually success, are really successful can offer that stuff, but also offer a little bit more. But, you know, again, like Final Destination, it's, it, it's a great concept, but it's not like, you know, people aren't leaving the movie talking about they're you know, they're talking about how they may die. So I could be a little pretentious and be like, well, they are talking about their mortality now in a way that they weren't doing it before. Um, because <laughs> they are, but they're really going, what if that thing fell over and knocked that thing over and killed me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, right. so, so yeah, you can stir conversations you know, in these horror films, but a lot of times it's just about being a good fucking film. Like Invisible Man was amazing, I thought. Um, uh, James Wan's um, Invisible Man, I thought was an amazing horror film. And that dealt with like, you know, abuse and trauma, um, but also told a really great story and really great acting and did really well. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good movie. And um, yeah, do you want to settle those... an argument about for us real quick <laughs> about Invisible Man? Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think about the guests. suit? I know. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't <laughs> what apologize. What did you think about the suit in uh, Invisible Man? Because we fight about this a lot. I mean, the suit was um, <laughs> the suit was ridiculous, but yes. was, no. Yes. Well, well, I the, the only reason I think because there, there's I can't think <laughs> of what it is, but there's some. Oh, it, maybe it just reminds me of an octopus tentacle. Yeah. But re with refracting lights on it um my, yeah I, I always quote myself by saying stupid <laughs> fucking suit that every time that movie comes up phenomenal movie done great the, the suit though 
I agree. But I didn't. But you know what? Only because I was settling an argument did I say that. Like the, okay. I never, I never, <laughs> I never have. I have never said when I described The Invisible Man, it's a great movie except for that suit. I think it's a great I, movie. But then if you ask me to really sit down and think about the suit, I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. I'll take that as a win because I was so excited oh. for us to watch Invisible Man. And then this guy over here is like, what a stupid fucking suit instead of commenting yeah. on what a fantastic movie it is. You know, spent half the episode complaining about the suit. That, that's what I did, Jeffrey, for an hour. I just oh. sat there and said stupid fucking suit. That's it. Aw. <laughs> Right. I would I would say that that's a kind of a kill buzz there, brother. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I did. They're exaggerating, but uh, I'm glad you sided with me as much as they want to act like you did. I know, and notice how I'm trying to I'm trying to both sides it here. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying to make everybody happy. Um, <laughs> oh man, uh, Jeffrey, you've been very generous with your time. We appreciate you so much, sir. Um, oh, please don't ever call me sir. Um, that makes <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that just makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> well, we we appreciate your time nonetheless. Uh, do you want to let everybody know where they can get in touch with you? Twitter, wherever else, whatever you want everybody to know. Yeah, my address is. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa Jeffrey, <laughs> slow down there. No, um, <laughs> Twitter. Don't too bad. give that out, or I'll be showing up at your house to watch Final <laughs> Destination Six. <laughs> I know how you worked out. You're you're that guy. You're like it said it was coming out on this date, and I'm there with my popcorn. You son of. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at uh, Jeffrey J E F F R E Y A Reddick. So it's my first and last name with an A in the middle. Um, yeah, and that's the best place to reach me. I, I'm I'm horrible at social media, especially Instagram. Um, because I don't, I, I'm a writer, so I don't have like a lot of, you know, stuff I'm doing. Like it's like, ooh, now I'm writing at my house. Now I'm writing at Starbucks. <laughs> now I'm writing, you know. And I'm certainly not going to pick pictures of me like with a shirt off writing because you know that's <laughs> that's what they like on that's what they like on Instagram. That fucking thirst trap piece of whatever. <laughs> uh, I think that's for Tinder now. I think they changed it. I don't know. <laughs> 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 what I heard, I have no idea. I don't know what Tinder is. Yeah, never heard of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where you can follow me. And I'm always I'm I'm, I'm trying to get better at Twitter, um, or better about staying off Twitter. I should yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I like to get on there to follow more entertainment stuff. And I'm definitely you know love promoting you know when I see friends of mine who do do things, or even if I catch something like like a horror film that i think is amazing that it, from a new person i like to get on there and like tweet about it just because i love like yeah i just like promoting other people's shit i don't i'm not so good at promoting my stuff but i like promoting other people's stuff um so yeah you can always follow me on there and then you all you know you've got my you've got my inside information so yeah um, <laughs> rob's gonna be at your house with that popcorn <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah, there's gonna, there's gonna, I've got some interesting stuff going on down the road. So, um, I'd love to come back. We'll make sure it doesn't take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed to even look back when we started this conversation. Now, we'll, we'll make sure it happens like super quick the next time <laughs> instead of, instead of like a pandemic, a pandemic later. <laughs> instead of February first, two thousand nineteen. Oh my God! Jeez! Oh no! Holy crap! We're here now. That's all that matters. 
That's the way I look at it. Here we are now. And I can't wait. Like you said, when you got everything else that you got going on, we cannot wait to have you back on, Jeffrey. It's been an absolute pleasure. We appreciate it so much. It has uh, been. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Thank you all. Time. Absolutely. Y'all have a great night. Okay. You too. Our thank great you. day. It's the next day there now, right? Yes. yes yeah. <laughs> Crazy animals. It's Sunday there. <laughs> Magic. All right. Have a great rest of your day or go to bed. <laughs> then <have> a day. <laughs> good, good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Um, all right, <laughs> we're back. Uh, Jeffrey's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Really, really like talking to him. Great conversation. Yes. Uh, and you know what's today's date? Okay, yeah, this is gonna come out. Okay, this this is a perfect way to wrap up Pride Month. Then I didn't know. Damn, we are so far into the month. Holy shit! Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Damn, I thought we had a whole another week left in the month. I don't know what the Mm-mm. hell. My goodness. Uh, but, uh, all right. What everybody's been waiting for, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I might add the drum roll sound effect. Depends on how lazy <laughs> I am in the post edit. Uh, uh, we're waiting. So there's no drum roll. That's what we're saying. Probably going to hear shit. I'm telling you right now. Cat. Yes. What happened with Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy? Uh, well, we spent a couple, well, we, we spent a day. Uh, watching some Friday the 13th movies. That's a good damn day. It was a very good day. And there's an update. I don't want to go through the whole list uh, start to bottom. Uh, yeah, like top to bottom because we're only two movies away from having the entire franchise in here, right? So I, right. I would rather have a bigger reveal for that, especially because those two movies are my favorite and my least favorite Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, so looking forward to that um but i do have my god i still can't wait 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 wait. you've got jason x and nine we've got nine we haven't watched oh okay well you're not gonna do you're not gonna do the remake or freddy versus jason uh so we're actually we're ramping up for a bad remake day okay uh (laughs) where we're gonna watch like all the bad remakes together not all of them but like three of them yeah. We're going to make like a marathon day of it. So we we saved Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, we're going to save Friday the 13th for a little while. We probably will watch Freddy versus Jason once he watches Jason X, though. And then okay. cycle back around for, for Bad Remake Day. But uh, I do have, because I knew that you guys were probably going to ask if he had seen any horror movies, I, I figured it might come up organically. Uh, so I made sure to get a little teaser for you guys. Uh, and I just want to give you his bottom three slots uh, from one to eight. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, so the, the the top of the bottom three, right, like going from best to worst in the last three slots, we have Friday the 13th, part eight. What's wrong Jason with him? Takes Manhattan. <laughs> That's way too high. Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy, what the hell, man? I thought we had a thing and everything was going great. Fucking Christ. He also, uh, we were talking about it because we had, that was like the conclusion of our marathon that day was we we stopped with eight. So we were talking about it and I, I asked if I could get his rankings uh, for the show. 
And he thought it was very suspicious. Like, once he was thinking about them <laughs> in context of the show, he said he thought that if he were a New Yorker, right, uh, he would not appreciate that this was Canada's opinion of what New York looked like. <laughs> With like all the graffiti and the toxic waste buckets. And... No, I think they nailed it. <laughs> he was very surprised that uh, part eight is your favorite. And and he had a lot of the same complaints. Uh, I mean, that Rob and I had. Mostly it's Jason on a boat. <laughs> that it's not good. So he, he pretty much tried to sugarcoat it. By shit, you know, shit talking the movie by saying, well, if, as a New Yorker, you shouldn't feel. No, Mr. Cat's boyfriend got <laughs> It's a good movie. Watch it again. All right. <laughs> and I'm sure Kat had her little digs in throughout the movie and she swayed you. Watch <laughs> it again alone. And, you know, I, th- this is absurd. I'm mad about it. Here's a pro tip oh. for you, Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy. Don't watch it again, ever. Don't watch it again. And don't listen to Mikey. I will say the one area we really differed on with this one, uh, he really liked the boxing scene. And yeah. <laughs> No, that's a good that I actually do right. kind of that's that's a really? fun kill. I like that one. I so he thought it was very fun. I think it's very campy, but it does really bother me that Jason just takes it for that long. <laughs> like because he knows. I guess. He's like, I'm gonna fuck you up when I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good kill. It's just the the amount of time leading up to it. It's very slow. Hmm. Um he really appreciated. This isn't a difference, but he did also really appreciate the sauna scene. That's a good. That's a good kill too. It's a good kill. Um, the slot just below that is Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. All right. Uh, which I is correct so far. Mm. I think because I mean I seven. I I, I would put (laughs) I would put seven above eight, but um, you're insane. (laughs) Seven's not good either. Seven's not good either, but it, man, come on. At least eight was fun. No. <laughs> you, you know, you're just, you're just doing that to be a dick. There's no, no other reason. Yes, you <laughs> no, are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Eight is not good. Spiteful. Yeah, not anymore. And eight doesn't have Bernie <laughs> from Weekend of Bernie's in it. <laughs> the bottom slot so far is Friday the 13th, part three. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, three's a good one. No, uh, he thinks that three is worse than both eight and seven. <laughs> that is ridiculous. And also, I want to point out, we only went through the bottom three, but five also <laughs> ranked higher than three. Okay. Five five ranked higher than all of these. Okay. Yeah. I, I just want to throw this out there as a vote. And okay. Rob, I feel like you might be with me. Cat <laughs> might be, you know, a little biased. Uh-oh. If, if this is egregious as it is, I'm in shock. Yeah, <laughs> he should be ashamed of himself. It's absurd. But I feel like if by the end of this whole spree of movie watching that they got going on, the final two, <laughs> Rob, if after Jason goes to hell, part three <laughs> is still the bottom of that list, we should never mention this man on the show again. <laughs> never. It's it's quite possible. It's I, quite possible because I'm throwing it out there. There might be something wrong with him, Cat. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Part three, really? I I like that uh, we both have Friday the thirteenth hot takes. Um, yeah. 
I think his might actually be a little bit hotter than mine right now. I, w- I would say so. <laughs> Three is a good one. This is my favorite. He doesn't like. He does not like it. <laughs> I mean, no. it does. It look three does suffer from the three D stuff, right? I mean, yeah. It's a, because like it, it, it's weird when like the yo yo is coming at the camera and stuff, and you're just like, what the fuck? What is this? Uh, because you're not watching it in three D, so it does suffer from that. But it's still a, a good one. He also didn't like Shelly, and he didn't like the gang. <sighs> All right. Well, Shelly. I like Shelly. Shelly gets a lot of heat from people, but I like Shelly. Friend of the show. Um, yeah, yeah. Larry's earned. Yeah, Larry. Larry's awesome. And, Larry's uh, great. And Shelly, I like as a character. Um, the, the gang. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, what's wrong with the gang? They're just there to die. I, I think he thinks it's like a very out of the way plot point, just for the entire reveal of them not having gas to leave which isn't entirely true because they are also there to die like they're 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 to increase the body count but he thinks it's a little far-fetched and he didn't i i mean like the the whole acting and and costumes thing it it has not held up i think if you don't have the nostalgia for it i mean if you're gonna have any if you're gonna have any complaint about three it's got to be the stupid flashback Uh, i yeah that wasn't his top complaint, but it came up because it's not. That's the thing that holds three back for me more than anything else. Everything else in three is fine. I don't understand this. I don't. I don't. But it has all added up. And, and now... every time, every time I hear something more about <laughs> this man, watch. I just shake my head and I don't understand. You guys yes. have to be really proud of him, though, because uh, despite <laughs> despite the hot takes, we spent our anniversary watching Friday the 13th movies this no. last week. So, that's, yeah. That's a, please, are you kidding me? That's and it was his way. idea. <laughs> that's the perfect way to spend an anniversary. I know. He's, I yeah. No. We're proud of him. He We're ruined proud it of all. him this week. <laughs> he ruined it all. We're not proud of him at all. Like, there's no reason three should be at the bottom of that list. I'm sorry. And this is coming from someone who just got done defending Jason Takes Manhattan. For it to be even near <laughs> it, like shame on a blow. Oh my god, I'm getting more and more annoyed about it the more I think about it. Very you could good. argue that he likes Jason Manhattan, Jason takes Manhattan more than you do, though, because <laughs> he liked it more than three. You didn't even like it more than three. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I mean, I mean <laughs> until this very moment, I had never even realized it was possible for someone to like it more than three. I didn't um, either. Are you sure? Did he really watch three? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he did. did he see it? He did. I don't, I don't, or, all right. Did you watch him watch it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, kind of. I watched it. So he could have been. He was there. He was next doing... to me. Yeah. He could have been on his phone. <laughs> yeah. He, he could have been counting like ceiling tiles or something. Yeah. Like, who the fuck knows? He was doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably he playing must... with one of the cats. Like, he, he, there's he no way. Been. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be hard to watch a movie over at Cat's Place with fucking 20 cats jumping around all over the place, too. <laughs> it is very hard to watch stuff at my place. Uh... <laughs> hmm. And I don't know what to say about this, really. I mean, um, you know, far be it for me to tell somebody they're wrong, but Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy, get your head out of your ass. Come on. Oh, man. This is, uh, uh... This is big boy stuff now. You know, Rob, I, you know what I think we need to do? Me and you need mm-hmm. to get in a car and drive over there. Mm-hmm. 
And me and you need to sit with him and watch him watch the movie. Just like out, uh, mm-hmm. you sit on his left, I sit on his right, and stare at him <laughs> while he watches the movie the yeah. whole time. Yeah, and we will get like one of those little like a like a. I don't want to say a stun gun because those you know that's a little illegal, mm-hmm. but just something that'll give totally him a quick illegal. a little quick little if he tries to look away because there's something he's missing something. Mm. You can own a cattle prod. Well, can you? Mm-hmm. Sure, they like farm equipment. Yeah, I want to hit him with a cow prod. Seems like a nice guy. He's just misled. All right, well, let's. I mean, let's wait to see where nine falls, right? I mean, it, it could oh. be fun. And Jason X. <laughs> we do that, and then we'll all go see fish. <laughs> no, we we can't hold out. Cat is going to talk up Jason X, and he'll think she'll break up with him if she he doesn't love that movie. He's going to love. It's going to be above three. No doubt. But if nine. We got to talk about stuff. <laughs> I'll be damned. If nine is above three. If his, I would be so proud of him if his list goes from Jason X to Friday the 13th part three. That would be some of the wildest shit I've ever heard. You'd be proud of that? Oh, yeah. You've got to be, right? No. No. <laughs> if if nine is, if, if three is below nine, we're talking cattle prod. He's, he's, All right. <laughs> he's going to unthrown me from my hot takes. <laughs> oh, all right. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how we've ended up here. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Kat steered him wrong along the way somewhere. Yeah. I'm trying really hard. Like, I mean, mistakes have been made. I didn't know uh, when we started hanging out that we would end up together. I didn't know that I would be responsible for his viewing order of things so like i and you know i talk about this sometimes but like he did see one of the first horror movies he ever saw was the black christmas remake uh because he was there with me and i i will always feel responsible that he saw that before he saw you know real black christmas but (laughs) for the most part he didn't like black goo christmas did he no i he said it was fine Uh, (laughs) um But like he he had no point of reference. It's also. not fine. No, he's not. he maybe he hadn't seen another horror movie, but he had seen other movies, right? He had heard people tell other stories. Well, <laughs> there's no excuse for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I on. mean, it, it's not great, but like he's he's getting. I, I try though. Like we're watching all the classics, and yeah, well, well, we're going through it. I don't know if he should be allowed to watch the classic thing. I'm a little let down. <laughs> I'm the one who always defends him too. Like this is, and I don't know. I don't know. You let me down, buddy. I'm upset. Yeah. I mean, really, I think what it gets down to Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy, you got to try harder. (laughs) You got to try harder to be right. Uh, I feel like me and you staring at him while he's watching the movie will help. (laughs) He might be unsettled though. Also, For what? It'd be fine. Yeah. Why? Why would he be unsettled? Well, the cattle prod. <laughs> I, I no, the cattle prod's only if nine beats out. No, I'll, I'll keep it on the other side. He won't even know it's there. <laughs> oh, okay. Unless he looks away from the movie. Yeah, unless he starts to doze <laughs> off or doesn't pay attention. Then he'll learn real goddamn quick it's there. Good poor guy. <sighs> yeah, oh. This, I don't know. this is gonna be another one where it goes around. I think Rob doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a reflection on you, cat. Yeah. What? I, I do think part of this is a reflection on you, and as your mentor, I'm I'm very disappointed. 
I no, you know what? I think that's good. I think that this is good if it's a reflection on me because uh, even though we disagree on the rankings, I have encouraged him to be honest regardless of how hot the take is. And I think yeah. I did that with Jason X. So <laughs> have we learned nothing from Greg? I'm very <laughs> <laughs> is that that's what you're gonna be, Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy. You're gonna be the new Greg. Oh, you're Holy not gonna shit. be the new Greg. That's gonna no. be your new name, the new Greg. <laughs> no. Greg we'll call you Greg Jr. Holy shit. Cat, <laughs> even you gotta admit, if if nine beats out three, that is some shit Greg would say. That that does sound like a Greg take. In yeah. fact, I'd be shocked if Greg didn't think that. But you also called me the new Greg for saying that X was the best one. So it ain't that bad. Oh. That's bad, but it ain't, it ain't <laughs> fine better than three bad. Oh shit. Yeah, I mean it's all fine and good to have your own opinions, but at some point you've got to conform a little bit. It's it's called doing the right thing. Yeah. No. Shit. <laughs> I think I honestly think he's just being difficult. I don't think so. <laughs> <It'd be difficult. laughs> mm-hmm. Holy shit. Oh man. Um Kat, I feel like it's it's what 2 30 in the morning right now. Call him over now <laughs> and have him watch because I, I can't wait to hear this. He's gotta watch <laughs> nine and three right now. Uh, nine we're, and X. We're gonna watch nine and X. Um I'm I'm excited. I don't know. I mean, I'm feeling a slasher radio and cat's boyfriend guy watch along for number three. (laughs) (laughs) Three for when he's already seen. He's got so many movies to watch. He apparently needs to (laughs) rewatch three. (laughs) He's not going to like it more if you make him watch it more. He might. He will watch it until he likes it. We get like one of those ransom notes, but it's just like, <laughs> I like three now, I promise. <laughs> it's, it's like when you get caught smoking and your parents make you smoke the whole carton. <laughs> but but sort of the opposite, because they're trying to make you hate smoking. I'm going to make him like three. Well, I mean, it works because you overload them with smoke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he's going to get overloaded with Jason in 3D <laughs> and Shelly. Oh. He writes the ransom note and he's twitching. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. How much a cattle prod cost? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Let me see. Um, all right. Well, uh, we're going to start wrapping up this show. They cost about $45. You can get one on Amazon. 45 bucks. Easy. Oh, Man. wow. Oh, that thing's even got like, the, oh, that's the two for the little fork. Oh, that'll yeah, hurt Oh, so yeah. Much. That's a good one. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh. oh, wait a minute. This one says newest waterproof. Oh, it's waterproof too. That's good. No, because give it to somebody in the rain. Waterproof mm-hmm. cattle prod shaft. Only shaft. I don't know what that means. Only shaft. The fuck? Oh, that's just the shaft. It doesn't have the prod, the prod part on it. Oh, I love the, what the fuck yeah. with that. I don't know. Nothing. Hold on. <laughs> I'll find this one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, this one plugs in. Oh, we got we got to get an extension like one of the big ones. Yeah, I got a big one in the in the shed. I got one of those really long orange where we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're coming, cat. <laughs> don't. No, don't worry, we're gonna <laughs> fix this. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, here's a YouTube video titled "Does a C- Cattle Prod Hurt?" Well, what the fuck yes. do you think, you <laughs> dumbass? Send me that video when we're done with this, please. That's gotta be funny. Uh. <laughs> You know, 
I hope Jeffrey turned the show off by now. I hope so too. Me too. I'm uh, sure he did. Would you listen to this nonsense? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Uh, all right. Well, that that's Jeffrey uh, Reddick. We appreciate you stopping by. Uh, that was that was an awesome interview. Awesome discussion. Can't wait to have him on again. I would like to consider him a friend of the show. I hope he does the same. Uh, it was an awesome, awesome conversation. And uh, yeah, it was fun talking to him. And I, I do hope we can have a. Uh, having back on and, and talk about like some of his favorite horror movies and that sort of thing would be fun. Yeah. Cause we didn't really get into that much. doesn't take three years to do that. Hopefully. Let's see. Uh, and, uh, Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy, you're welcome to come on the show and defend yourself at any time, but. We think oh, the odds of that cat. are ordering a cattle prod. <laughs> We're looking into <laughs> it. We're not ordering. Oh, yeah. Wow. Nobody, nothing's nobody's purchased anything yet. No, yet. Rob, I don't know if that's a cattle, but that's more like a taser, man. Yeah, I noticed that when I saw the thing. I just saw the title, and then when I clicked on it, it was like, yeah, it's more of a taser than a cattle prod. But, you know, if we, that might be better. <laughs> like, he'll see the cattle prod coming. The taser, <laughs> yeah. you can just pull out. Yeah, you can kind of sneak that in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. better. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we've resorted to threaten them. I know. <laughs> Check us out at SlashRadio.com. Find all of our articles, episodes, interviews. Uh, you can also check out uh, our Twitter, slash radio, uh, at slash radio on Twitter. Uh, this interview happened last second. Uh, as you heard, we've been trying to set it up for a while, scheduling. Jeffrey's a very busy man. Uh, so, you know, just a lot of bouncing around and, and, you know, shit happens quickly. So next week will be the Patreon uh, pick. And if you follow us on Twitter, you'll, you know, be informed of all this stuff ahead of time so and the patreon too helps out there's someone out on the patreon uh patreon.com forward slash slash radio please support the show yep stop being a cheap bastard come on we're getting a cattle prod yeah yeah we gotta buy a cattle prod we gotta pay for gas to get to cleveland not only that i mean if we have a cattle prod you might want to be on the right side of things if you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah. i will start finding you people (laughs) give us their address where they listen I'm coming to people's fucking houses and just. Oh, you've been listening for free for how long? Three years? (laughs) Unbelievable. We can't threaten people publicly. Yeah, that's what the Patreon power rankings are for. That's privately. That's behind a paywall. paywall, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing that shit publicly. They don't know what you said on there. Even though you were fucked up on that show. No, I think I did the right thing. Poor Nesto. Nesto. I'm gonna feel bad for Nesto for a long time. Just saying. Uh, um, I think I'm gonna look into some of those pendants that they're like the best friends with the heart that's like in half. <laughs> I can wear one half, and Nesto can wear the other. That is fucking funny. You're pissing him off right now. You know that, right? No, he's my buddy. <sighs> I'm at Mikey's dead on Twitter. If you would like to follow me. Oh fuck. Um. Yeah. So. Really quick, uh, apparently I got an early access thing to VHS. Uh, that new game that's been, you know, coming out. Everyone, a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, I haven't gotten to play it yet as of this recording, but uh, I gave a key out. Uh, they gave, gave me a couple extra of those uh, early access keys for Steam. Uh, there's a tweet on there. I gave one out. Uh, we're on our way to giving out the second one, so make sure you follow us on Twitter to keep in touch with this stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. So next week, by next week, I will play it. Uh, I'll probably stream it and I will let you guys know what I think. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice if you could have told me about it, but did tell you about it. Did. Yeah. I believe you said, what the hell is that? Or something along that line. I'm looking at it right now. Oh no. What you said exactly was what the fuck are you two babbling about? That's, that's what you said. Uh, I, I will admit that does sound like me, but I don't recall this. That's what you said. And then we didn't hear from you for two days. Um. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, at slash radio on Twitter and at Mikey's Dead on Twitter. Follow the show. Follow me. And uh, don't bother me too much. I am also on Twitter at Radio Rob One Two Three, and you can listen to my other show, This Horror Life, wherever you are listening to Slasher Radio. Newest episode just came out, and uh, guest host is Cat Valor. But she's not banned yet. No, Cat's not banned. No, I'm I'm unbanned. So so does this give Cat any percentage of say with the mascot thing? No. Not even like five percent. Like she no, hosted no. a whole show. No. no. Well, you have a lot to say. So what do you what about you? No. It's just no to everything. No. Everything you're saying, everything you say to <laughs> me, just no. I bought this whole cool fucking outfit, man. I don't know. <laughs> Does um, it have the Italian flag on it? No, that might change his mind. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Could you imagine the if like if, say Rob agreed to it, he got to pick the outfit. Could you imagine? Oh, oh you'd be dressed up like Chef Boyardee. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need um, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think. You're not banned, are you, Mikey? Yeah, you banned me. Yeah. Then. Oh, yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah. Remember, you re- you unbanned me. And then at the I end didn't of... unban you. That was not my call. Well, and, you um, agreed to let me stay on that show. Yeah, but then you got banned for something. Right. I forget what I did. I don't remember. Yeah, and then you banned me again, so I'm yeah. currently but, banned. Yeah. No, Kat's never been banned from the show. Threatened. Yeah, I was threatened. Well, I mean, I'm, martyrs. I'm back. Come on, Kat. <laughs> what was the topic of, of the show? Martyrs. No, the, uh, this no, last one. The new ones. The oh. Top, uh, our top five foreign horror movies. Oh, she didn't get banned for that. <laughs> she didn't pick it. Yeah, I didn't pick it. Yeah, I, that's me. the difference. I've learned I can talk about martyrs as long as I'm not the one picking it. Mm-hmm. Because then I had to make Rob watch martyrs, which was actually the bannable offense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we couldn't have you on for that because you always watch them without subtitles. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be very well versed in that topic. But yeah, I, I would think a, a Cat Valor foreign movie list it just sounds like it's bannable. I'm surprised. No, no, it was mm-hmm. fun. We had a good time. Yeah. Turns out the recording with cats fun when you're not there. <laughs> Holy shit! So we were both were very well behaved. <laughs> this is bullshit. This is bullshit. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, cat. Now I can maybe even put cat where she acts better on this horror life. Now she didn't give her boyfriend shitty takes on that show. I don't think Mr. Cat's boyfriend guy came up on that show. See. No. I remember. Although I'm guessing, has he seen a lot of foreign horror? Uh, no, not a lot of it. Yeah. Yet. Yeah, brace yourself for martyrs, buddy. <laughs> He's gonna think it's, it's all of them are better than Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Yeah, yeah. God <laughs> damn it. Cal-Cal. I really started not like this guy. I don't even know. I like him. I like him. I truly do. But... I want to. I want to. But you make it so goddamn hard. I want to love the man. I do love the man. But... He's making us get a fucking cattle prop. I'm not going to be better. <laughs> Cat, where are they finding you? 
You can find me on Twitter at cat underscore velour, V-O-L-E-U-R. You can also check out my website, catvelour.com. I feel like you need to get like an Expedia thing, catvelour.com or something like that. <laughs> I need a jingle. Yeah. Where I just spell velour. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that, cat underscore velour. <laughs> uh, guys, come back, check us out next week. Make sure you sign up for the Patreon if you want a say in next week's topic. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash slasher radio. Uh, until then, good night from Slasher Radio. All the best of Slasher Radio podcast. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs>